Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football. Graduation is over. Now we head towards the off-season, summer workouts, and all that stuff. We've got a few topics we're going to talk about. College football with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. If you have any questions or comments for us, we'd love to hear from you. Podcast at USC Football. Or if you'd like to call or text, the number is 424-254-9141. That's a leave us a voicemail. We'd love to play it on the air or send us a text message and we can play that, read that to you, uh, answer your question to the best of our abilities. If you're subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or any of those, please leave us some positive feedback, a five-star review. Tell your friends about the Peristyle Podcast. The offseason is not going to last forever. It'll be the season again, 2019. A lot of people, a lot of USC Trojan fan eyeballs on what's going to happen in 2019. And we love to talk about that, speculate on what we think is going to happen, and talk about the latest news and notes around USC football with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Welcome in, coach. How are you? I'm doing great, buddy. Had a great Mother's Day yesterday. I celebrated it with my family and my wife, of course, and and it's a special day, and I hope all of you out there had the same opportunity. And uh, it's just great. It's just great now because uh, graduation's over at most of the universities, and a lot of happy people. I was at a graduation party on uh, Saturday night for friends of mine's son, and it was great to see him graduate and see all the young kids and people who come and have a good time and know what time I go home and what time they go home is a little bit different. But uh, it was great to see all this happen. And now, of course, we're into now waiting for all the publications and seeing what the other people's opinions are of college football for this coming year. So, Ryan, how can it get any better than this? And also try to sneak in a vacation. Yeah, try to do that. It's uh, There's a lot to do uh, this summer with what's going on. Before, you know, we jump into all this. Something you mentioned before, at the, the, before we were uh, recording there's an event that your daughter's involved with. You're going to go down to, uh, I'm involved with called the tour to pier. It's only, uh, I guess six days away now, uh, Sunday, May 19th. If you want to come down and check it out, Manhattan beach pier, there's over 400 stationary bikes that are set up there. Uh, your daughter's going to be up on stage, uh, spinning. I'm going to be down the crowd somewhere spinning, uh, with my team and, uh, raise money for charity. Three different cancer charities are involved. Everyone we know, has been uh, touched by cancer in some way or another more often than you would like. And so it's a, it's a great cause, great event. It's going to be the seventh year. And I'm really excited to get down there and uh, jump on a bike. Uh, it'll be five hours uh, down there. So we have a team of people. So you share, share the time, but five hours on a bike. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing you down there, coach. We'll have to get some pictures and stuff. I want to do that, Ryan. It is a great event. I missed last year because I had a conflict, but every other year I've been there. 
And, uh, of course, your team sponsorship. I don't know if you want to give that out on how they can be a part of your team or not. But my daughter's been a part of it for years. This year she made the main stage. She'll be riding from 8.30 to 10.30 and then back on a regular bike for three more hours. I can't imagine five hours, but she loves it. She does it. And what a great cause it really is. And it's a great event. Even if you don't spin, you can donate. But just walking around and seeing the people and how organized it is and it's just a great event. You see every age of an individual there. Yeah, it's uh, there's all ages, uh, people. I mean, to see like 400 bikes down there and uh, music blaring and, and people, you know, uh, just spinning like crazy. So it should be a whole lot of fun. Uh, yeah, if you want to, uh, I put a link on my Instagram bio. Uh, it's Hermosa Rhino, R-Y-N-O. Or you can just Google Ryan Abraham and Tour de Pier and my page should come up. Um, looking to raise, I've raised just about $2,000 so far and I'm trying to get to 2,500. So getting close. We appreciate uh, any USC fans. If you uh, want to come out and donate, just Google, you know, tour to Pier and Ryan Abraham and my page should, uh, show up, but we do appreciate any, uh, donations you make. Um, it's fun. I'm, I'm really excited. I got to raise two grand so far. I'm going to hopefully get to my goal of 2,500 before the end of the week. You're going to get there, buddy. Come on, people. Let's get going out there. If you enjoy our podcast and if you enjoy uh, Ryan's website, be a part of the team. Help someone maybe you know that you've had uh, uh, acquaintance with that's uh, suffered or been treated for this, and also the ones maybe you hope uh, you can help. So why not uh, join Ryan's team? We'd love you for it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks so much. And, uh, yeah, if you're down there, come say hello. Uh, I'll be around. Probably if I'm not riding the bike, I'll probably be over at Shellback having uh, – uh, an adult <laughs> beverage or two uh, in between rides. So uh, it's always fun. Um, well, okay. So we got some newsy stuff to sort of talk about coach first with the, uh, you know, the transfer portal has been pretty active uh, for USC. As you guys know, the weirdish kind of news was Matt Fink, not that he entered the transfer portal and not that he picked a place to end up uh, at Illinois fairly quickly, which is, that's exactly what happened. He went in the transfer portal and within days, uh, the report, and you know, according to his dad, he had committed to Illinois and the Illinois 24 seven site, you know, confirmed that that's what was going on. And then, uh, he tweeted, I think it was on Friday late last week that, uh, contrary to reports, he's not committed anywhere. So, um, I believe he was committed and then just sort of, uh, backed off that don't know where he's going to, end up, but I just want to get your thoughts on that coach. Um, the whole Matt Fink saga for right now, he's still in the transfer portal, but just doesn't have a destination as of now. Well, you know, when you decide to transfer, it's really important. You select the right school. And sometimes emotionally, when people show a real interest in you, you react to that and you say, yeah, that's what I want to do. They really want me. And they say, I can start there and all of the above. And they didn't have a great team. And if we do turn this team around, I'll get a lot of credit for it, this and that and everything else. And then after you do that, maybe other people uh, say and start to get involved, but you made a commitment and they start to say, why did you do that? I mean, it's cold there, they're last place, they don't win, they don't do this, they don't do that. And I'm not telling him not to go there. I'm just telling you what goes on around his uh, verbal commitment or his commitment. So he starts to say, yeah, maybe I did do this a little bit too fast. Maybe I need to go back and talk to my coaches and talk to my family or maybe even go back to my high school coach at Glendora, talk to him and get some advice on what he thinks I should do. He's a good kid, and he wants to go and play somewhere where he can demonstrate his skills, and everyone wants him to be successful. 
So there'll be people there trying to help him make the right decision. So sometimes you get engaged, but you don't get married. And I think right now, uh, not that he has cold feet, but I think he wants to make really the right decision in where he decides to go to school, whether it's Division One, I, I know he wants to go to Division One, but if that doesn't happen, who cares? Go where you can have fun. Go where you can play. Remember your experiences. Get that degree. He already has his degree. So I think he's just giving it some good thought, and I'm glad he is, and I hope he gets some good advice and finds a place to uh, end up. Yeah, I... I think he's going to end up in a good spot. I thought Illinois would be a good spot. So it still could end up there. It looked like, you know, he was going to end up being the starting quarterback. I did a radio show in Illinois and, you know, they they their the other quarterback that they felt was going to start, he entered entered the transfer portal. So it's a little strange uh how that all went down, but we'll see uh what happens with Matt Fink. The other interesting uh note coming out of this weekend or you know late last week was uh, Chris Steele, the uh, former five-star cornerback, uh, St. John Bosco. You might remember he was committed to a few different schools uh, in high school, including USC, uh, but then ended up signing with Florida, went through Florida spring ball, got some first-team reps uh, with the Florida defense down there, and now his, he's entered the NCAA transfer portal. So certainly there's some interest uh, from on the USC side, um, I think there's interest from UCLA, Oregon. Uh, so what do you make of this whole Chris Steele fiasco? Because it's sort of like a little bit like the Brew McCoy thing where, where he left USC. But Brew McCoy didn't even go through any practices. Chris Steele's gone through spring football uh, at Florida. I guess you could say that's similar to what Daniel Amatorbebe did. Uh, he went through. Uh, that down in Florida when he was there and then he transferred out. But what do you make of the whole Chris Steele situation, coach? Well, I think that when you move a long way from home and you go to a new environment and another university, uh, sometimes you struggle. You get homesick. You know, you really do get homesick at times. I don't know how many people have left when you're 17, 18 years old and you go away a long ways across the country and it's a different, different environment everything else. Uh, I don't know how many people left to ser- went out to, and joined the service and found out how homesick you get or a university. I went to a Division One university and then I transferred back to a small school, the University of Redlands, and I really felt comfortable there. It was too far away from me and I wanted to be with my personal friends and cared a lot about uh, that as far as my decision on my educational goals and so on. So, you know, uh, I think... Uh, kids should have that opportunity and i think it just proves to everybody that's a usc fan or booster or is a has parent or your parent of players that are there that other universities have these same type of things happening yet everybody more or less in this area focuses of course on usc or ucla why because this is the main media area for those two universities so we don't know everybody else or anybody else who's leaving florida but i'm sure there is and, of course, I would be interested, too, in him coming back to Southern California. And that's why USC, UCLA, Oregon, and these schools are paying attention to him. So I think these things happen because of homesick, maybe because he doesn't like the, the style of play or he doesn't like maybe sometimes it's his coach. You know, the way he's being coached, he doesn't really get along with him. And he, 
and he doesn't have a relationship with him. So sometimes it's just better for me to leave because they're not going to get rid of him. So there's a lot of reasons, and maybe academically he needs a change. Who knows what he might need? Uh, who knows? He might need to come back and go to a junior college or a community college and get his grades up to date. I don't know the reasons. We don't know the reasons. But whatever it is, you've got to see where he ends up. And he's a very recruitable player, and I think USC would go right after him. And I think, again, uh, from where he's from and the location of Southern California and the need of the position at Southern California, I would think it would be a good spot for him. Yeah, uh, certainly a good spot. Come back. We're seeing a lot of changes from players and changing their minds. I'm curious to see if they make any sort of changes to the rules as far as the transfer portal stuff goes, because it's a little bit of the Wild West out there, Coach. Um, I don't know. You think they're going to change anything? I, I kind of think they, they'll tweak it a little, but it's it's a little nutty right now. It is, and it's a little difficult for coaches and players as far as you know, the last minute you uh, somebody makes their mind up, recruiting's done, and all of a sudden after spring ball, you're going to lose a quarterback or he's going to transfer and you don't have a replacement or you're planning on redshirting a kid and now you can't redshirt this kid. So it puts a lot of stress on the football program itself. But again, kids are different today. Kids don't have that same thing, I'm going to go to USC or I'm going to go to UCLA. I'm going to finish there and I'm just proud to be a part of the program and I want to get my degree there, be a part of the family and if I play, it's great. Uh, I want the opportunity of playing, of course. But if I'm not getting my reps or I'm not starting and so on, they're not willing to wait for their turn. They, it's a little bit different. Because they come in as stars, you know, from when they become a five-star, four-star, and when they start getting recruited as ninth graders, tenth graders, and they read all the big things about them and who they are, well, they start believing all that stuff, and sometimes when they're not as successful, it's not really them sometimes, it's somebody else or the program. So I think that, uh, yeah, I'd like to see it tweaked a little bit. How, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's a changing time. That commitment, first of all, the commitment was we got to graduate kids, we got to graduate kids, which I agree with, and now they're graduating kids kids are really graduating now and that how do you think they're able to transfer as a graduate because the university did what they're supposed to do they're going to summer school they're making uh, their grades they're graduating by graduating they can transfer and be eligible immediately so you accomplish one goal and then on the other side of it you're preparing that kid to go somewhere else so uh you know those are things you got to look at yeah um, all right, let's let's uh, let's move on. One of the, the topic I wanted to discuss today, Coach, because we saw some new players come into the program in the spring, as it, you know, the early enrollees uh, make it into the program, you got to integrate those guys in. You know, they got to go to school, uh, they're going to practice and things like that. Then the summer, it's a little bit different. You got players coming in, um, you know, when they graduate from high school, usually sometime in June. They'll start one of the summer sessions and they'll do these, you know, unofficial workouts with the, uh, with the players, the, the player run practices and, you know, they'll get in the strength program and all that. So they're, they're kind of getting indoctrinated into everything uh, early on. And then, you know, you have August starts up, they had a couple months on campus and then they jump in and, uh, and go into the full fall camp thing and really get the, it's kind of a trial by fire at that point. But I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, 
um, what your process was or what, you know, the, in general, the process is when you do want to integrate these new players into the program. Most times they're freshmen coming in from high school, but you get transfers, you get, um, you know, guys like Ben Griffiths, who's 27 years old and, and you know, going to American college for the first time. He's integrating into the country. Like there's a lot of uh, stuff going on there. But what was the process for you and, and you know, kind of what the general practices are for coaches when they're trying to bring these new players in? Well, first of all, I would always have a team meeting uh, when school was done, okay? And we would uh, evaluate uh, just how we did in the spring and where we are and and all of the above. Not individually. We would have had that already. But a sort of a, a standard philosophy meeting of uh, where we are, what's going to happen as far as what's going to happen with you during the summer months, as far as being injured and all of the above. You don't take any you know, chances and do dumb things and then all of a sudden you missed the season because you did something you shouldn't have done. So you have that type of meeting. At the same time, you tell them we have 20 new players, plus if we have more preferred walk-ons, that are going to be entering our program, our program, and they're going to become a part of the family. And every single individual in here is not too good to meet them, make them feel at home, help them, answer any questions they might have. If they look lost in the, the weight room or if they look lost in the training room or if they look lost on campus, you're there to assist them and help them and maybe go out to lunch with them or do different things so these kids feel you're there and they feel like they're not a stranger. So that's the first thing you do. And then also you sometimes assign kids to certain new players coming in. Because some kids are coming from distance and they're going to be homesick. And that's something that really is a big thing with me. I used to say, when a kid isn't homesick, I worry about that kid. Because I really wonder, why isn't he homesick? Why doesn't he have someone there that he loves that he wants to see and so on? So you got to really pamper and understand kids and get to know them and spend time with them. And I think that's when the coaches have to spend a lot of time with them and they're in their offices in different places too to help them catch up. Plus make them care, know that they really care about them. So when these kids go on the field, they feel like, hey, these guys don't look at me as a, a stranger or somebody that hadn't been accepted. You've been accepted. And when they're doing their summer workouts, you step up and you assist these kids. And you help them. You say, no, that's wrong. Do it this way. And you assist them along the way so they know you care about them. But who knows? That kid can make the big play that sends you to the Rose Bowl. So you've got to make them be a part of the team. You've got to help them out, help them with their techniques, help them with their academic situations when they don't know where to go or find a building or a classroom or tell them, don't worry about it. I felt the same way when I came. So you have a meeting like this with your, with your whole team. And you have staff meetings, too, including all of your coaches and all of your staff telling them exactly what we're going to be going through. And I want to see this type of thing going on with all of us, not just you guys, me, too. You know, so I think that's part of it. And then helping them through it, make them feel at home and and uh, just uh, go out there. But the number one thing I, I keep saying is you don't want to do too much in the summer where someone gets hurt on the field. You can't lose a player in your summer workouts, in the weight room, on the field. You've got to eliminate and make sure there's no 
contact or type of testing, whether it's squats or bench presses or something that injures a player or sprints where a guy gets a hamstring. So you've got to be very careful, and I'd, in, I'd really have a lot of discussion with this with my uh, strength and conditioning coach. So that, I think, is the basic thing. They've got to feel they found a new home, and they're, and they're welcome, and uh, you make them feel loved. So it sounds like, Coach, it's a more of a, like a full-team effort. When the, when the new players come in, it's not just up to them to figure out what's going on. You want, it's like you want everyone on the same page, so they're all, everyone's working towards bringing these new players on and, and getting them comfortable in what you guys want to do. Exactly. What's wrong with a big defensive lineman to go over and shake the hand of an offensive running back or receiver and say, hey, welcome, man. If I can ever help you out, you know, let me know, and my name is so-and-so. You want everybody on the team to know the guys' names, each other's names, not, not number 10 over there. Who's number 10? Yeah, number 10's a pretty good player. Hey, go over and tell him he is and introduce yourself. It's got to be this type of effort, and it comes from the coaching staff, and it's got to be pushed to make it happen. You know, there was times I'd take a group of offensive uh, linemen and introduce them to the defensive linemen, back and forth. And uh, just so they know each other. But sometimes guys don't do this and they're shy. And so and you've got to step up there uh, and, and make it happen as a coach and as a player. And you find out, too, who your leaders are by the way this all, all happens. Yeah, the you know, I think that's important because we've seen instances where there was like a divide where you had even coaches where – You'd have an offensive coach that maybe wasn't really interested in what the defensive players were doing, things like that. You know, when people are coming in, there's a bond. You know, when you're in when you're in the program, there's a bond. Like everyone in the running backs room, like they're bonded because they're in the same meetings, they're doing a lot of the same things. But when you come in as an incoming freshman, you're really part of that recruiting class, and it doesn't matter if you're a defensive back or an offensive tackle. You guys are the you know new people coming, new kids on the block. And you signed at the same time and all of that. So I think that makes a lot of sense, Coach, where if it is a big defensive tackle helping out, uh, you know, a slot receiver or something, uh, they're just doing it. You know, there's, that's a veteran and it's a rookie and, uh, you know, an incoming freshman and they need they need the help. And I think that would probably build some bonds because I remember, you know, being in college orientation, people I've met there, you remember for the rest of your time in college a lot of times. So having people like that, coaches, uh, veteran players be able to help integrate those guys. I think that's bonds that you can, because you're. It's a stressful time, and you're. You know, you would look up to someone that's going to come in and help you when you're at a moment of weakness, because you just really don't know what's going on. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you're right, Ryan. And uh, don't drive by a guy that's walking. If you got your car and you're fortunate enough to have a car and you see a couple of your players walking, you're going to drive by them. I mean, stop and say, "Hey, guys, you need a ride. Where are you headed?" I mean, that's part of it, you know. Uh, and the guys say, oh, no, we're fine. We're, good. we're just going over here. That's good. Just checking. Little things, just little things like that really make a difference in a, a football program. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. So we'll see. Uh, I thought they did a pretty good job with the, the spring enrollees. And now, uh, you know, the, the guys will be graduating from high school soon. They'll be coming in over the summer, and we start to see them at the the offseason workout. So that'll be. I'm curious to see how that all uh, works out. But I, I don't know. Did did you feel like they did a pretty good job integrating the guys from what you saw in the spring? Yeah, I think so. I think they did. Uh, 
I think you've got to work at it all the time. In fact, you can even have fun. You can have the uh, receiver coach coach the defensive backs, and you can have the defensive back coach coach the receivers for a period and go against each other. It's no, You can play a lot of games where the football is fun, too. And sometimes, you know, uh, you've got to look forward to this, and there's times you, you don't, I don't know what to call it wasted time, but it's time where you get to relate to other people that you go against all the time. And you get to know these people, and they care, and they walk by you now, and they say, hi, coach, because they know you and care about your position, too. So there's a lot of little things you can do like that to integrate a team and put it together and make it all pull on the rope the same way, not against each other. Are there um, practice, like when practices start uh, or workouts or anything, are there things you can do on that side of things to try to uh, help integrate things? You know, say, say for fall camp, like if there are drills you can do that are more like, like kind of to build camaraderie and stuff with the new players. Well, yeah, there is. Uh, it doesn't hurt sometimes when a guy gets dominated a block to the defensive guy goes over and tells me, hey, that was a hell of a block. You beat my butt on that block. And the guy says, hey, that's good. And there's times that the offensive guy got to say, man, I got to work against you. I need to be able to face players that, that fast. Uh, let's do it again. Or if you have some time, I'd like to go against you on the side and compliment each other to make each other get better. And I think that's what it's all is, is when you have great players, you have more practices than you do games. And the more you practice against great players that are giving you 100%, the better you get and the better techniques you have and the number of turns you want to get. So that when Saturday comes around, I used to love my players telling me, hey, coach, after practice, the games are nothing, man. We look forward to the games, but you have worked so hard and we've done so much that uh, when the games come, we're we're ready to go. We're we're healed up. Uh, we've got against great players, and and we hope that our players are better than their players, and that's why we got better. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, they want to you want to make the practice harder than games, but that's that can be a lot of talk. <laughs> you want to make sure. Yep. I think it was really happening when uh, Pete Carroll was around, but. Not all the time. All right, Coach. Well, good stuff. There was a kind of short but sweet podcast today. Just hit on some of the the major topics of what's been going on. Anything else you wanted to uh, discuss before we let you go? No, uh, I just wanted to thank everybody again for being a part of all of our websites and uh, have a wonderful summer vacation or whatever you're going to be doing and enjoy life. I tell you what, always buckle up when you're driving, wherever you're going, and and, uh, take care. And, Ryan, again, I'll look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday at the Tour de Pier. Hope you guys can uh, make it out or, you know, if you make a little donation to my page, I would really appreciate <laughs> that. My wife is in kind of a battle with me. She started she started a little bit later than I did, but now she's uh, trying to – she's better at the social media posts, like putting stuff up to get – so she's trying to catch up. But uh, I've, I've added some – you know, this over the weekend, I added some new donations and stuff, so I put another push on, like, Facebook and everything. But she she put on Twitter she's trying to get the the Tennessee Nation that's what it is. she's trying to get Tennessee fans to come donate to her page to to beat me so USC fans don't let that happen don't let Tennessee beat USC go in there and donate to my page so uh, we'll make it a little competition there I, I like that I love it too she's competing 
Ryan, you better get going right now. You better get off this podcast and get on the phone. Yeah, I got to make some calls, send some emails out, get, make sure I get some donations. Um, all right, well, that's the coach, Harvey Hyde. Uh, I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.